At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hello, listeners. My name is Mark. If you have been enjoying the Listener Lore episodes, please come over to my separate podcast feed, Lorehammer Listener Lore. On this daily podcast channel, I will be reading one story a day and sharing your creative works with others and giving my feedback at the end. So, if you like Grimdark 40k short stories, come join me at Lorehammer Listener Lore, the 40k podcast where you get to write the script. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to support the show, visit us at patreon.com. And for as little as $1 a month, you can become a patron. Or you can buy cool Lorehammer products like shirts, coffee mugs, and dice bags at www.redbubble.com. Don't want to spend any money? Well, you can help out the show by giving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also hop on over to Facebook and like our page. And feel free to send us a message. It's the only enjoyment Mark gets out of his miserable life. Hello, welcome back to Lorehammer. My name's Eric. Greetings from Equestria. Mm. Land of the free. What is that? Is that <laughs> well, like if you your... don't know, you don't know. People know. Is that a my little brony thing? <laughs> well, pony, but... I'm pretty sure it's brony. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's pony. All right, this episode is no longer about Warhammer. We're going to be talking about My Little Pony this episode yeah. and how we can best relate it to our own lifestyle. How it's a breeding pool for cess-like individuals <laughs> who offer nothing to society. Brocon, was that what it was? Ponycon, the, the <laughs> famous picture with the like the ball pit that was just a swimming oh, pool. Oh yeah, what was that? It was, it was a Brocon, wasn't it? Like a Ponycon. I think it was it not? No, I think it was just furries, but I know I know oh, exactly okay, what you're yeah, talking yeah. about. Anyways, <laughs> we should probably do Warhammer hmm. on this podcast. Uh, joining us today is nobody. Yeah, what, I don't know what happened there. Yeah, I don't. We sent out the invites. <laughs> we just got like wind whistling back. <laughs> they're jumping off this sinking ship. Yeah, they're done. That's the way she goes. That's all right. It's just a bonus episode. Right? <laughs> we don't need them. Uh, today we're doing another listener lore. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be good. We got uh, four good stories here. Nice, nice. I nice. say good because you know I haven't. Read we haven't them. read them yet. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, live up to uh, my imagination of what they could be, <laughs> not what they are. <laughs> Maybe they're good. I don't know. I'm just saying. Hard to say. Hard to say. Hard to say. <laughs> All right. Shall we get right in? Yeah. Yeah. So um, who's got the first one? Me? Sure. All right. <laughs> I have the first one. Uh, this comes from Sam and it is titled The Rotting Embrace. Oh, my God. <clears throat> 
episode brought to you by ASMR uh, nighttime tales from uh, the 40k universe uh, the putrid <laughs> the putrid stench of decay invaded Andreas's nostrils as he sprinted towards the door his footsteps echoed softly down the hallway as he ran muffled only slightly by the coating of ichor that covered the walls floor and ceiling so close he thought as he barreled towards the door. He could now see the Imperial Aquila raised above the rest of the cold steel situated beneath the small glass porthole, centered. It was barely within his power to stop himself from vomiting, as he knew doing so would mean slowing down. Just a few more meters. He could hear the explosions of the battle outside, ripping into the outpost, tearing the walls down that had once made him feel invincible inside the fortress. He could hear the roar of heavy bolter fire, a constant thrumming interrupted only by the more terrifying blasts of larger, unfamiliar weapons. Weapons capable of destruction he had not even deemed imaginable up until a short while ago. The door grew in his vision as he ran. He focused on the Aquila, trying to strengthen his resolve while at the same time resisting the urge to wretch up whatever contents were left in his stomach. He tried to find strength through the Emperor as he stared at the holy symbol, but the things he had seen in the past minutes forced their way back into his mind, twisting his thoughts, darkening them. Andreas didn't even slow his pace as he burst through the door. If there was no safety there, then he was dead anyway. He dropped his lasgun as he collapsed to his knees, and it clattered to the floor. As his breathing slowed, he struggled to get a grip on the cap of his canteen with his sweat-soaked hands. Finally working it free, he drank greedily, and the lukewarm water soothed his parched throat. He averted his eyes from the bodies strewn around the room as he quietly made his way towards the rear of the barracks. Some of the bodies were his friends, some his rivals. It didn't matter now. Now it was just him. Andreas wasn't quite sure how he had survived the initial assault, though he suspected he had been counted amongst the dead as he lay unconscious beside the mutilated corpses of his comrades. The smell grew worse as Andreas arrived at his destination, stinging his nostrils, making his eyes water. The bodies piled against the wall were swarmed by flies. Andreas choked back tears and nausea as he carefully slid aside the dismembered torso of a guardsman he had once known, but not quite well enough to remember his name. He wasn't sure if it was better that way. Behind the body was now revealed a tunnel of sorts, constructed of ammo and ration crates, running into the pile of bodies just about as long as Andreas was tall, with enough room to allow him to crawl inside. He lay down flat against the floor and wept quietly as the flies buzzed around him. Andreas awoke to a deafening blast, followed by a crushing weight on his torso. He shoved the heavy ammo crate off of his chest with the last reserves of his strength and looked up in horror. The red-orange light of dusk shone through the massive hole that had been punched straight through the six-foot-thick rockcrete wall of the bunker. Through the hole, he could see out into the main plaza of the outpost. The air was thick with noxious fumes, some wafting into the room. 
The fumes seem to originate from the stinking remains of a horrifying vehicle. Spikes laden with viscera peppered its smoking hull, interspersed with the heretical marking display interspersed with heretical marking displaying a triangle formed by three circular lobes. He shuddered. The mark of... His thoughts were scattered as a hulking beast soared over the wreckage of the vehicle across his field of view, its massive wings swirling the foul clouds produced by the wrecked tank. An inhuman screech tore through the air as the massive creature brandished its blade-like claws. As terrifying as the creature's appearance was... What made Andrea shiver was the terrifying aura it seemed to emanate. Terror invaded his mind, and Andreas froze. Luckily, the beast seemed too occupied to notice a lone guardsman. As the creature flew towards the edge of the plaza, Andreas saw why. He now heard the constant guttural roars that filled the air, so constant that he had not been able to distinguish them from the thunder of gunfire. As the winged creature flew further away from Andreas, and the otherworldly terror seemed to fade slightly, he was gripped with a different fear as he saw the blood-covered blades of an orc horde. The beast crashed into the large group of the green-skinned Xenos, ripping and tearing into them wildly. The orcs swarmed the creature, but seemed unable to do anything to slow its rampage. Across the compound, Andreas could see the two guard towers he used to keep watch from during his night shifts. A huge, mechanized being stood atop the south tower, foul substances oozing from between the joints in its arms and legs. It carried massive, terrifying cannons, which it was firing at an unbelievable rate over the parapets into an orc vehicle that was spewing black smoke into the air. From the west tower came bursts of heavy bolter fire, tearing into the horde below. Occasionally, a grenade followed by a trail of green gases was launched from some unseen source inside the tower, landing in the crowd and blasting orcs into chunks of green meat. Around the bases of the towers, Andreas could see groups of shambling, zombie-like figures throwing themselves into the orcs, crushing their skulls with wrenches and lengths of pipe, some stabbing into the horde with long, sharp slivers of metal. A massive armored figure seemed to be commanding the smaller mar monsters, wielding a massive scythe, flies spewing like clouds from tubes embedded in his back. Andreas saw an orc break out from the crowd at a sprint, running towards one of the tanks. It carried some sort of package in its hands, adorned with bright red buttons and blinking lights. Mm -hmm. The tank spewed green liquid from the nozzles mounted on its side, barely missing the charging orc as it leapt out of the way. The orc landed on the vehicle, and Andreas could have sworn he saw the foul creature grin as his hand slammed onto the largest button on the parcel. Without the rockcrete to dampen the shockwave this time, Andreas felt the full force of the explosion from across the compound. He hit the ground and stayed there, trying to protect the back of his neck with his hands as the bunker continued to crumble around him. He could hear battle raging on, but he could not move. At first, he thought it was his fear keeping him still, but as the adrenaline rush faded, a searing pain took hold of his right leg. He twisted his neck to look, and immediately wished he hadn't. A three-foot-long section of rebar protruded from his calf, pinning him to the ground. Shock took holds, and Andreas fell unconscious once again. The otherworldly fear Andreas had felt earlier jolted him awake now. 
The pain in his leg returned immediately, and his eyes swam with tears. The sounds of battle were gone, replaced by the insistent buzzing of flies. The buzzing grew louder, and Andreas looked up in terror. Before him knelt the scythe-wielding figure he had seen earlier, flies still billowing out of the apparatus on his back. The winged beast stood further back, breathing heavily, watching. Its armor had been ripped to pieces, and its flesh was scoured with deep gouges. Typhus, it growled, end this mortal's life with haste. The Xenos will return in greater numbers. We must find a way off this planet before that happens. We have taken losses too great to survive another wave. The thing's voice seemed to echo in a way that shouldn't have been possible, considering their surroundings, amplifying it so it seemed to be speaking directly into Andreas's mind. He wished not to hear it speak again. The voice of Typhus was unimaginably worse. A sickly, mechanized wheeze that sounded like it could have been a noise of amusement came from his helmet. Just the sound made Andreas sick to his core. Typhus, not turning the glowing lays of his lens from Andreas, spoke. Silence, Mephistus. Speak out of turn again, and I shall cut you down where you stand. Our shared master has need of this one. The beast fell silent. Typhus reached over Andreas's head, grabbed the rebar, and twisted. Andreas's head exploded with pain as the rebar ripped free of his leg. Look, wheezed Typhus, as he took hold of Andreas by the shoulders and flipped him onto his back. He tried to avert his eyes but could not. Flies burrowed into his leg, flesh turned brown, then black, and then fell off in chunks. Maggots burst forth, then burrowed into his thigh. The pain was unbearable. Please, murmured Andreas, make it end. Kill me, please. You are far too valuable to kill my child, choked Typhus. The rot father, bringer of decay, the beginning and end of all things living, wishes to embrace you into his fold. Andreas writhed in agony as he felt the maggots begin to gnaw on his femur. He screamed now, Anything! Make this end! Make it end! Typhus responded, At once, my child. And a warmth washed over Andreas, a peace he had not experienced, nor ever thought to experience in this life, embraced him. He lay still as a smile twisted into his face, the maggots still feasting. First of all, well done on your voices. Yeah? You're a voice actor now. I didn't know. I was trying. I was trying. Huh. Huh. Yeah, that was a cool story. Um, I don't know. The, the, the quality of this made me want to try harder. <laughs> I, I, I liked this story. Yeah, yeah. The, the only thing I... I found was distracting that was orcs kind of showed up out of nowhere. Like it just was like, ah, oh, they're there. And then there's a mm. three-way battle. I just, for me, I focused too much. I'm like, why the fuck are the orcs there now? Yeah. Like I can see that. I like the, it, it didn't take away. It wasn't bad, but no. And just, the crazy thing is like, this is 
it's a big galaxy. Obviously, there there are planets <laughs> where orcs, guardsmen, yeah. and Death Guard are. Yeah, right. So I, I think it could have just been like, yeah, if it was just more Imperial Guard, like that did the wave. Like maybe now they're trying to retake the fortress or something like that. Yeah, or it just felt like an element that didn't need to be added. It it almost felt to me like the he had been initially battling the orcs. Yeah, like that's the where all the regular stuff is coming from. Okay, and then he saw the sign of Nurgle and freaked out after. Okay, so it's almost okay. like they came to his rescue. Mm. is kind of how i pictured it but i don't think there's enough exposition if that's the route you go yeah it, there's not enough exposition to describe yeah just before. even another line or two say, in the beginning like the orc assault began and yeah yeah we stood our best or whatever because it that, sounds like they're losing they're all dying yeah and yeah. then typhus saves him yeah yeah very yeah. cool story like if that's my only thing which it is like i enjoyed the rest of it like this is probably one of the best examples we have of people using pre-written characters yeah yeah exactly like i believe that that's what typhus would do yeah, yeah. and it's such a small minute thing like yep. you could you could literally pick any point in time in typhus's career in any of the stories and yeah say, he didn't this name happened. a planet he didn't exactly. do anything like that so yeah on yeah. that end i really enjoyed it um overall like i'm gonna start rating these i'm gonna give it one floor up out of five one floor up yeah yeah i give it 60 snarfuckles snarfuckles a snarfuckle <laughs> yeah <laughs> Hmm. I give it 60 snarfacles. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed this, actually, Sam. I'm assuming you have a Death Guard army. Yeah. Um, maybe you play against orcs a lot or guardsmen, or you really <laughs> like using um, cultists in your army and like you have a story about this one specific guy like i wonder yeah. like did this guy last against something <laughs> like you think he's special so you wrote a story for him like yeah, i'm always yeah. curious like where do people get their inspiration sure, from sure. yeah in their stories like some of ours is like very obvious and yeah but yeah. it's obvious to us because like we've been there we're, yeah we're yeah. there for each other we bounce ideas yeah but i don't know where this guy conceptualized the idea for andreas you know, being like a chosen yeah, of yeah. Nurgle. Yeah. Right? So that's cool. I really liked the story. Yeah, it was no, nice. It was, it was quick. Good. It had a good ending. Yeah, solid. yeah. That's the one thing. It was quick. Like it, it didn't felt like feel like it dragged. No point was I not engaged in it. Like mm. even the orc part, as much as I think it should have just been something else, it was still cool. Like the orc like had a little bit of the goofy orc in there to lighten the otherwise very grim mood. Yeah, no, like, for sure. Like, yeah, the big smile it had <laughs> and, and the, the box. flashing light. With a bu- bunch of bunch buttons. of buttons, and, yeah, yeah even he though smashes he, it. And, <laughs> yeah, like, no, it was cool. Um, yeah, honestly, I really liked that story. As I said, sixty snarfacles. Yeah, that's good. Also, my scale, just so people are aware, I one is good. You don't want more of what I had. Flawlops. You don't want floorups. Floorups. You don't want yeah. more floorups. You only want one. <laughs> you, know, you can't handle more than one. No. Cool. Thank you, Sam. Thank you for allowing us to share that. That was a really good story. Yeah. I'm going to have a drink now. Holy. I'm disappointed that the one guy didn't talk more because I liked the voice he did for him. What one? Um, oh, the I don't the think he named Mephiston? him. Mephistus? Oh, is that what? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mephistus, I think. Mephistus, yeah. Yeah, that that, that cut me deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool story. All right, so the next story is by Armored Wolf, um, and I will be calling it... <laughs> <laughs> Dust Raiders. Dust Raiders. Yeah. <clears throat> Okay, let's see if there's any voices I gotta do. Son of a bitch. None. Okay, the Dust Raiders were a sect of Mechanicum priests and their Skatari servants that operated for the Forge World, Shahalo. The subsector 
Mandragora. Mandragora. That's a real one. Is it? Yeah. <clears throat> was ravaged for centuries by warp storms that corrupted many of the loyal Mechanicum priests and corrupting them to be the corrupting them to the service of chaos. When they learned of this, the priests who would later become the Dust Raiders launched a campaign to stop, stamp out the heresy, but the alluring power of chaos had corrupted too many. The sect was forced to flee the planet in shame, vowing to liberate and regretfully abandon Tech upon their return to the planet. Warp travel out of the subsector was deadly and many ships were lost. Very few ships uh, survived the jumps through the warp, and fewer made it to the nearest forge world. During the second Agessian Crusade, launched by the Imperium partly due to, uh, to the behest of the Mechanicum, with their goal being the reclaiming of lost STCs, the forge world was retaken. The tech priests of the future Dust Raiders uh, were on the front lines of the conflict in hopes of salvaging technology from the possession of corrupted priests. Christian just called. <laughs> <laughs> Once the Forge World Shahala was liberated, the tech priests of the Dust Raiders went into the Forge World vaults to reclaim the technology before they fled again. During the sieging of the Forge World, the Dust Raider noticed immediately the callousness with which the Space Marines of the Red Scorpion chapter treated uncorrupted technology. They were taken aback and enraged by the destruction of the technology with even the slightest of non-standard influence. Oh, okay. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, the Dust Raiders, having lost their faith in the Imperium, left the planet after salvaging all the technology they could, including STCs. The Dust Raiders went into neighboring planets and liberated as much, te as much technology um, as they could and destroyed those who were in their way. The sect, having lost many of their brothers, brethren, raid planets as they regard the Imperium as being unworthy of the technology. Having survived for millennia, the dust dusk raiders perform wow perform repairs that were once considered heretical, and liberate technology wherever they find it. The strain of the millennia of service to the tech priests of the dusk raiders has caused corruption within the codes and the mechanical frames of the dust raiders Skatari which were repaired and patched to ensure their continued service in the liberation of technology. So it was a forge world. Yeah, that was raided. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, obviously a lot of chaos interactions and warp yeah. stuff going on there. Uh, so they had like a little schism, a little mm -hmm. civil war, it sounds like. Um, it corrupted many of the loyal yeah. Mechanicum priests. Yeah, so then some were fleed and then they go to take it back. Yeah, so they launched a campaign to stamp out the heresy, but the power of chaos had grown too strong. <laughs> so they fleed. They fled. They fleeted. Is fleed a word? No, it's definitely fled. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so they fled, and now they're just, they're roaming, it sounds like. No, no, so then they go back to the planet, and they reconquer it. Oh, they liberated it. Yeah, yeah. They they gather a bunch of technology or whatever, but since it's all corrupted, I think it kind of corrupts them slowly. And then he mentioned the Red Scorpions, yeah. how they immediately noticed the callousness with which the Space Marines of the Red Scorpion chapter treated uncorrupted uh, So as technology. soon as there was like even a, a smidgen of corruption, the Space Marines would cut it off and get rid of it, burn yeah. it. And even uncorrupted technology. Yeah, they would burn. So yeah. it's just like, take it all, you know, get and, rid of everything. Like, yeah, I could see how that would turn you against the Imperium because you're a Mechanicum guy 
who worships machines. Yeah, you're already not a part of the Imperium. Yeah. Like people think that like the Mechanicum operates under the Imperium, but they don't. Yeah. So it's it's an alliance. And if all yeah. of a sudden you're like, hey, why are our friends <laughs> doing this? You know, they leave. Yeah. So they're they're kind of renegade. Um. Because they, yeah, like he I also think, puts liberated, like they, <laughs> they liberated neighboring planets in quotations. Yeah, I was just trying to figure out if, yeah, if they are renegade, like self-serving, or if now they're chaos I serving. don't think they're chaos. No. Repairs. Yeah, they regard the Imperium yeah. as being unworthy of the technology because of how they destroyed all yeah. of it previously. So definitely renegade. Yeah, no, it's cool. I, I like what you can do now with your army because I can just picture these conversions of Skatari where it's like... You just mash stuff together or you make these crazy, weird, different conversions. Um, yeah, it opens yeah. up a lot of cool possibility. That end. Especially because it's renegade. It, there's one line in here that actually might make me think chaos. Uh, the strain of the millennia of service has caused corruption within the codes. Mm. So it's possible there's some kind of messed up aspect to them. But I don't think it explicitly says anywhere that they actually serve chaos. Yeah, yeah. Which I also agree. Like, I like the gray line. Yeah. If you want, if like, especially for Mechanicum uh, and for Space Marines, I like the gray line too. Yeah. Um, as much as I like the black line or the white line, actually, <laughs> when I think about it. Hmm. I like all lines. <laughs> all lines are created equally. That's right. Yeah. No, I like this. Um, the Dust Raiders. Yeah. It's simple. It gives you a flavor yeah. for your army. There's only one slight question i have actually so oh, mandragora yeah. isn't uh when you lexicana mandragora the, yeah. and this is the reason it was familiar to me it's uh one of the throne worlds of the sotek dynasty oh really yeah it's like it apparently is in pristine condition hmm. so that's a, the planet mandragora yeah it's in the zoraya subsector sure so it's not mandragora itself i guess is not a, an existing subsector yeah but it is a name that already exists so it's totally okay if you uh oh, sure. what's his name armored wolf <laughs> i guess yeah it's totally okay if you keep mandragora subsector yeah because it doesn't exist anywhere yeah but also you could change it if you wanted to right yeah so, it, it's also my boundless knowledge that yeah. i didn't just google uh mandragora is also a type of plant it's a mandrake yeah fantasy though it's not real um looking right? at a picture right now is oh i thought it was Oh, yeah. Anyways, cool. But And they are used for treating stomach ulcers, um, <laughs> constipation. Just These are just things off the top of my read head, it, of course. Read it off the hey, Wikipedia. No, no, off the top of my head. Uh, uh, hay fever, whooping cough. So maybe uh, That's not a real thing. That comes from whooping cranes when you're born, but those aren't <laughs> real. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's good. Like the, Even keeping the name Mandragora is not a thing for me now that I know that Mandragora, the planet, is not in that same subsector. Sure, sure. But there's also nothing wrong with you picking an, an existing subsector. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, like a lot of... He never put a date on this, so it could have been... Yeah, it could have been any time. Well, and even like, so he's been traveling for millennia now, so this would have happened well before the yeah. Necron were awakened even. Yeah, and the Aegisine Crusade. Is that a real crusade? I've never heard of it before. Or, yeah, did he just make it up? It's obviously there's Aegis in it. That I think that's a good uh, judge of how a story is written. If we're like, oh, is that real? Is that a believable thing? Yeah. You, you picked good words. It is a oh, it is real. Thing, directed yeah. by the Black Templars. M39. In the Mandragora, Mandragora Sector. Sector. Okay. You know what? That's... So he did do some uh, yeah, research. I only have good things. There's just enough in there yeah. to make me curious. 
and it's like it's the right things it's not a super well-known crusade so yeah. i have to like question it and wonder yeah and, no i like that yeah, yeah, I wonder yeah, if. I like that. Uh, I like that. Yeah, I like that. Oh, okay. So there's actually a second Aggression Crusade. Aegisine? Aegisine? Oh, sure. Aggression. Uh, and they were. During the Crusade, the Red Scorpion gained. The Red Scorpions were there, gained high honor. Walking around. So they were even. The more I, the more yeah. I find out about this, the more intrigued I am with this guy's story. Yeah. The full reconquest of the Fallen Ford world. What was his Forge World called? Uh, Shohei. Oh, so that's an existing thing too. Oh, is it? Yeah. So now I'm just trying to figure out... What did he write versus what's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, that's funny. Shayhole is a Forge World of the Imperium. It was once a lush world. The planet became isolated by warp storms, cut it off. Okay, so that happened. When the storms cleared, heretic text priests had taken control of the planet, corrupting it for their own selfish goals and ruling with an iron fist. However, in the second Age of Sign Crusade, the planet was brought back into the Imperial Fold, part of the Imperial Armor Volume 9, the Badab War Part 1. Hmm. Okay, so so now after reading that, it, it seems like what he wrote was more just like, about the Dusk Raiders. The, and the how last they, portion. Yeah, and how like they f- uh, fled the planet with a bunch of technology. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's cool, though. No, because, yeah, the first time I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, this is like, it flows really nice. <laughs> it's all a thing, apparently. <laughs> it's all already a thing. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's kind of a cool way to like do it. Like he took, he didn't change anything. He didn't add anything. No, he's just saying he this was like a small portion yeah, of the yeah. Mechanicum was there who turned into the Dust Raiders. Yeah, yeah. After. Very cool. Yeah. Nice. Well done in Corp. Another one where like they took something from the setting, just like the last guy who took Typhus, yeah. made it believable. Yeah, so that's absolutely. two for two. Yeah, like who's to say this wasn't like there? If yeah. you were to be like, it was Mars, then we'd be like, well, yeah. that actually <laughs> yeah. and, like, isn't real. Yeah, like really one or two tech priests on a planet could have left and formed this like Dusk Raider thing. And like they have their With own With their Skitar. legions of Skitar. Yeah, so it's yeah. not even like he's asking for like, a big ask, like a whole exactly. space weed chapter or something like yeah. that. So it's really, yeah, I like, I like it. Yeah, very good, very well done. All right, uh, all right. I just took a quick look at the last one that we have, Mark. Yeah, and fuck me, I'm not doing that one. Okay, I'm gonna edit that one while you read. <laughs> okay, because that's wild. That the spacing got all yeah fuck funked <clears throat> on it. All right, so I'm gonna read our our third one, Caden. Uh, this is from Caden, I mean. There's no title. I shall title it The Tainted Blade. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> the Tainted Blade is a loyalist space marine chapter of extreme mystery. Their parent chapter is unknown, though some expect expected they lie with that of the Mortifactors, judging by their mainly black armor and cannibalistic tendencies. Also, they use the science of Gilliman and Ultramarine's chapter tactics, Codex Discipline. However, a majority believe it is mostly a mixture of different legions as they also focus mostly on siege-breaking line, siege-breaking lines, liking to use things such as Vindicators and Dreadnoughts, not unlike the Iron Warriors. Their founding and year of creation is equally as unknown, though it is 
though is expected to be between millennia's 38 and 40, as it's around that time records of them start appearing in greatest quantities. Although there's records of them as far back as millennia 32, most of these are deemed false by the Inquisition. <laughs> Their home world, 7514, most commonly referred to as Hell's Blade, is a barren wasteland. It is located in Segmentum Ultima, on the western side of the mountain. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Malefactus is an ex-forge world which has been mostly abandoned by the Adeptus Mechanicum as its main resource supplier, the neighboring planet of 7512, Alum, was exterminatus due to an orc infestation. As the planet's economy has collapsed, has collapsed, most of Hell's Blade's populace have resorted to gang-like civil war. This wasteland-like fighting has three main contenders. These three clans are called Moonrite, Zykon, and the Splintered Claw. The Tainted Blades do actually consider the Splintered Claw an ally and will offer them offer to help them in their fights against enemy clans, and many of the populace believe the Astartes are actually a type of wild alien that the <laughs> splintered claw keep as a secret weapon rather than them being the warriors of the Emperor. <laughs> the planet itself is Mars-like red color and is rarely known to go below 35 degrees Celsius. That's hot. Also, due to the strange astrosphere of the planet... <laughs> The sky is I can a, confidently <laughs> say that that is a word. <laughs> the sky is a constant purple color that even tints the whole planet purple. It's the lighting. The this lighting. is James's lighting. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> this is why the eye visors of the tainted blades is tainted blades is tinted purple. Oh, that's cool. And all the lighting in their naval ships tinted purple to help their eyes adjust. Huh. The tainted blade, and it would probably look white, so it'd be very clear. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about light. <laughs> you're, you're partly colorblind. <laughs> I can let let so, that one slide, Mark. So, sometimes I'm painting a model. I'm like, oh, what do you think of this, Eric? He's like, uh, I don't know. You say something like, oh, I don't think those colors go good together. Or just you're like, Eric, that's the uh, same color. Uh, yeah, just like. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, okay. The Tainted Blade also has access to a small naval fleet stationed on their planet, which they normally use for their crusades. Oh, they're stationed on planet. Hmm. The fleet is known as Fleet Blood Ruby, so named for its ship's unusual blood red color. The Tainted Blades prefer heavy siege lines, lots of vindicators, and heavy artillery with lots of deep striking melee-based heavy infantry. To try and break apart the enemy and separate them, severing communications and causing confusion. Primaris Marines are rarely seen in the Tainted Blades as they are highly disapproved of by most normal Marines. Within the chapter, I'm assuming. Yeah. However. Just read the whole line and you'll be fine. <laughs> okay. Similar to the Grey Knights, they use a lot of Terminators. Oh, okay. To teleport behind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's 
funny how triggered you got there. (laughs) (laughs) They use a lot of Terminators to teleport behind enemy lines and unleash a devastating melee attack from behind. Okay, as an aside, there's no way these guys know that's how the Great Knights do it. It's just he's saying from like a meta perspective. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Sure, yeah. Yeah, they don't know. You don't know. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) The... The chapter also has a weird post-battle ritual known as the Red Celebration, where after winning a battle, they will collect all the bodies of the fallen, both allied and enemies, and drain their blood, later to be drank at a huge party-like celebration. They do this as they believe this will allow them to absorb the knowledge of the dead and learn from their mistakes as to be better warriors and not face the same fate. This ritual began in the Splintered Claw Clan, and as most of the Tainted Blades recruits come from this clan, the belief spread to the chapter itself. Spread to the chapter itself. Words. What is? The Tainted Blade was once nine whole companies strong and would launch huge crusades across the galaxy. However, during a huge war attempting to conquer the planet Doomsday from the Xenos Menace, during late millennia 40 when a passing blood angel ship spotted the conflict and mistakenly thought the tainted blades to be heretics performed an exterminatus on the planet no almost completely wiping out all the companies except the first that was guarding the homeworld during that time and killing their chapter master no the blood angels realized their mistake and apologized along with inquisitor manculot 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 hmm Manquillot. Manquillot. <laughs> the Inquisitor, who ordered the Exterminatus, but the Tainted Blades, instead of being angry with the Inquisitor, asked him to train to be an Astartes and become their new chapter master. Manquillot died during his training whilst having a second heart added. <laughs> nice. Excellent. <laughs> For a second there, I'm like, I oh, know. Yeah. <laughs> you son of a bitch, you got me. And many believe this was the chapter's plan all along. <laughs> I like that. You lost me, and then you had me right back on yeah. board. At this point, the librarian Hyron Wolfbane, Wolfbane was named chapter master. The Tainted Blades never rebuilt their lost companies, believing that if they did, it would be an insult to the dead. So now they are only one large company. That's pretty unique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the surviving members of the other companies, known as the Survivors, are now recognized by their shoulder plates, both being painted entirely black with their old company in white Roman numerals on them, Uh, especially because most Survivors are now ranked at HQs and Elites. Also, it is only only the Survivors who will ever be put into Dreadnoughts and other life-preserving machines as one final honor. This also means that the Tainted Blades never go far on their Crusades, normally staying in their system, so they're never too far from Hell's Blade in case of an emergency. Tainted Blades wear mostly black and red nearly armor, near, nearly always wearing a crimson loincloth, and will have purple visors and paint their weapons and their Aquila, or the chest plate symbol, purple. Also on their left shoulder plate will be the chapter symbol on a gold background with red edges, and on the right shoulder plate, either a cross for melee or a triangle for ranged in gold with a red background and gold edges. They use the same helmet ranks as the Ultramarines, except their common helmet is black and red, not plain blue. This appearance may vary depending on role and rank. And then he sent us a sw- cool little image, one of those old school like design your own chapter 
yeah, they, images. Yeah, came out pretty cool. Yeah. So I got a couple questions here. First yeah, of all, I'll, I'll a do couple, my best to answer. Yeah, yeah. Well, let, let's do the positive first. I, I really like that chapter, Master Tide. The Inquisitor? <laughs> oh, yeah. That was yeah, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, like, um, obviously he's not going to survive it. <laughs> it's a couple of really cool parts, too. Like, I like their blood ritual. Um, yeah, the party. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only thing that, like, is something to consider is, like, Space Marines actually can eat, like, brains and, like, stuff and gain memories. So, so I kind of was thinking that as well, and I, yeah. I came up with an idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what if the, the ability for them to do that has been lost to these ones? Mm. So to them, anytime they would eat or partake, it is ritual. Sure. Because they can't actually gain anything. Mm. And over time, it's just morphed of, well, we don't need to eat the flesh. We just drink the blood because they never yeah. could get anything from the flesh anyway. Mm. So I, I honestly thought that I was like, oh, maybe it's, it's a sign of corruption sure. in their gene seed or body. That was just the rationality I came up with. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. Like... There's it's a cool like, ritual. It is cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing, what, what are your thoughts? What are your positive um, thoughts? Actually, it was along the same line. Um, like space marines are known for having like strong fraternities yeah. and uh, cultures and rituals of their own. Yeah. You don't, I, I like you added in that um, they took that ritual from the splintered claw. Uh, personally, I wouldn't do that. I would take out, I would say it's their own thing and not the splintered claw. But it's totally fine if you do that. Just, just if I was to write it, I would write it a little differently. Sure, sure. Um, I do like the splintered claw um, ally with the ritual blade, yeah, the tainted yeah. blade. Yeah. But I would probably change it um, to incorporate like space marine aspirants. Yeah. Like I would probably make it where I would send a single space marine who's on his way to being a space marine as like, hey, this is your trial. Go help them take this territory. Like yeah. you have no armor, you have no weapons. We're not giving you any food. The only food you're allowed is the blood that you drink from Survive your enemies. Survive one year with them or something exactly, like that. Exactly, yeah. Instead of cuz honestly, if five five, mar five marines are sent to conquer entire planets. <laughs> yeah, and so, sometimes they are. Yeah, and, and like obviously that's an extreme case, yeah. but uh, I would definitely dumb down your power level of help towards these almost feral tribes is what the picture I get. Mm. It, maybe it's more like Mad Max. Sure. Mad Max style. But even at that point, like a guy in power armor is effectively unstoppable. Yeah. So I would dumb it down in, in that aspect a little bit yeah um i liked the coloring yeah. i liked saying like the purple light and everything it's like a red purple <laughs> tinge cool, it kind of cool. it also just goes back to the blood right yeah. like the red aspect of like that theme the, just the, pervades the a lot of plate, so it's like when they're drinking the blood it's just like it's yeah no red. Yeah. it's a very strong theme that exists yeah. in the entire the entirety of this story which is really nice yeah what else did you have um, it's always nice to know how armies function and stuff when you can actually like implement like how they function and why they function on tabletop into your lore. I do enjoy that kind of aspect yeah, a little bit. That the second part of this was definitely spoke to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. more more um, minutia, more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I believe it or not, I do have some minor criticisms. <laughs> believe it or not, what are they? So my my first big one was. 
Um, so we say it every time. If you're gonna write into like oh the blood angel, the blood angel thing, like I don't know that. Ugh, like it's just it's so easy to just make up a random space marine chapter, and then this isn't an issue. Yeah, but the blood angels didn't do that. Like it's possible they did. It's entirely possible, but. Anytime you have to ask somebody like, oh, what about this? I think the answer should almost be no because then it's stretching it. But like literally if they just came up with the the pink guardians, <laughs> that's a space paint chapter. <laughs> did a struggle there. <laughs> you know, like I wouldn't have that issue. But so that's not even. Really I hear big, what you're saying. It's not a big deal. It's, but it's, and I agree. I agree that like it's. it's it instantly makes me more on guard. Yeah. When yeah, I'm yeah. reading. And as soon yeah. as he says blood angels, I'm. And this might just be a me thing, but I'm looking to see, like, ah, how real is this? Yeah, yeah, Whereas exactly. before, like, you're just in the flow guess, of the story. I guess that's the way to say it. It puts you on guard. Like, it... Yeah. Yeah, then you kind like of... Like, we still enjoy the story. Oh, it's yes, still a good yes. idea. It's yeah, just... Yeah. It makes me, like, would they do that? Is yeah, this yeah. really, like, the Blood Angels Then to I start do? focusing on them as opposed to what you're trying yeah, to I'm tell. Yeah, I'm trying to get the story, and all I'm doing is trying to focus on yeah. how well you interact with the, yeah. all the hundreds of stories of Blood Angels. Yeah, so, so it's just... It's if, such if, an easy thing yeah. to change. If you want to keep it keep it obviously yeah you do you but um the other really big thing that i i found was just like hmm so they exterminated the planet so now all those tribes that you spent so different planet different planet doomsday doomsday is the planet yeah i thought it was the planet doomsday oh did i okay i missed that then okay okay yeah they were on a crusade across the galaxy across Uh, the galaxy on the planet doomsday uh, yeah, and then the first company was left to guard Hell's Blade. Oh, okay. And that's why okay. the first company survived. Oh, okay. So I thought like somehow they survived the... The Exterminatus. The oh, but the Astartes didn't. Yeah. I see. Yeah, so yeah. I'm like, so you go into all the... It doesn't matter. You wrote it fine. I just misinterpreted. Yeah, so yeah. Really, my only criticism is just that Blood Angel thing. I, I also just, like the survivors. And yeah, I like yeah, that yeah. Like, that's a very cool concept. Putting them into the Dreadnoughts is, like, only yeah. an honor that they're allowed. Like, yeah. But it's almost a torture as well. <laughs> like, you're not allowed to rest. You have to keep killing for the you Emperor. You gotta keep surviving. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that, like... It'd be it's such a cool like visual when you're looking across the army. You pick out like a black shoulder pad here, black shoulder pad yeah. there. Like I don't picture it like as one squad working no, together. No, no, they're but spread maybe. out. But like yeah. that's yeah, I definitely picture them like in in leadership roles. They even said HQ and elites. So so they yeah, probably have higher leadership. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And you know you might have the odd sergeant here and there that have it. And, yeah, yeah. It's just kind of no. It's I, a cool I like that little too. like. I like, it, it makes people look at the army and be like, hey, what's that about? And then it's a good jumping true. off point where it's like, oh, well. You can share about your story. Yeah, like those are the survivors. Like they survived this great war. You know? mm-hmm. like, I really enjoy that. I like a librarian chapter master. Ooh, fancy. Yeah. Um, hi, hi, Ren Wolfbane. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoy it. Fuck. I enjoyed it. You, you did me. All right. How many snarfacles? Um, no, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give it eight horses worth of snarfacles. Ooh, ooh, you know, you, you have eight horses ooh. of snarfacles on this one. Equestria, so. that makes Equestria very happy. <laughs> very, very happy. What are you rating it, Mark? How many florips? Uh, no, I'm gonna rate this one one Primaris helmet out of five. Nice, nice. And obviously, once again, the less Primaris helmets you have, <laughs> the better. The better. Yeah, yeah. No, I, do you does do you think this guy for Caden? I think is his name. I think it's actually yeah, Caden. Check. 
Or sure, K- her. Yeah. No, Fuck, I, have no, I have no idea. Do you <laughs> I think say words? What do you think the chances are of Caden including Primaris Marines in, in their army at some point? Because there are def like the way this army functions, yeah. you can definitely build that currently with Primaris options. Primaris Marines are rarely seen in the Tainted Blades as they're yeah. highly disapproved of by nor- most normal Marines. So you, yeah, you would see them. Do you think at some point in the future, though, Caden will change? Accept what is inevitable. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Just I ima- don't know just, him very well. Just imagine. To be oh, honest with you, you don't know them very well. Don't assume, Mark. Oh. Just imagine instead of all vindicators, it's just all repulsor, repulsor executioners. <laughs> whereas before, no. whereas before you had one oh, gun, no. now you have thirty. Yes. Trash. Yeah, I don't know. I hope not. It's nice to see chapters that are just like. Uh, yeah. no. And if you ever want to play Primaris, Caden, honestly, my hope is that you retire this army. Yeah. With the survivor's badges. Because obviously no Primaris would ever have those survivor badges. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I kind of like that. Yeah. Anyways. <clears throat> Thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing, Caden. Couple cool couple couple cool things in there. Couple things. Alright. Okay, the last one. Um, this is one of them orc stories, so this is going to be a fuck of a good time to read. <laughs> uh, I don't see any periods. <laughs> this, one, <laughs> this one might be tough. Also, the, for some reason, uh, maybe it. I copied him. Where is oh, it from? Quote, is it some, from email? Yeah, I don't know. What if we just read it from the email? Okay. Oh, no. Sorry, it's tec- just, oh, no, no, no. It's right here. Technical things. You want to change microphones real quick? I can just read it. Oh, okay. Or that. <clears throat> just give me a second to... Wet the old throat. If ever you want me to yell for the emperor or for the omniscient, just <laughs> let me know. I can yell that out. I'll just point at you. Uh-huh. You want to do all the all caps stuff? Okay. Okay. Because I think that should be fairly obvious. But it, like, <laughs> it messed up the formatting so, yeah. on, when you copied it. So, All right, here we go. <sighs> Get some shit liquor in me, you know? <laughs> no. With the shit mic. Ah. <sighs> I have control of the liquor now, bud. No, liquor's in control of you. (laughs) All right, here we go. I am the liquor. So this is sent by Chris. Chris. Thank you, Chris. Never met a Chris I liked. (laughs) Just going to (laughs) start off saying that. Well, you're starting off at negative (laughs) snarfacles, so that's not good. An Admech forward base or storage facility on asteroid redacted while mobilizing for a relief force gets besieged by orc freebooters. A bloody and grueling battle is fought throughout the compound with the last adept dying just feet away from the atmospheric controls, trying desperately to vent the air out and suffocate the Xeno scum. While walking through the storage bays in his resplendent hat, satisfied with the slaughter he wrought, Captain Wargobble notices yes. Dem- <laughs> notices Dem Yumi's left the big guns out, ripe for looting. While walking over to crump one of his boys for looking at the biggest gun, he kicks a container of sacred oils and it goes rolling. Seeing the oil spill out, Wargobble notices more and more containers as well as grated metal balls billowing smoke everywhere. Hold on a tick. Were these humans saying something when we came crumping? Humans. Humans <laughs> <laughs> say lots when you squishin' them. One of his boys guffaws while ripping a bionic 
from a dead combat servitor. They always say stuff like, For the Emperor! Or for the Omnissiah! Captain Wargobble laughs with him before kicking the git out of his way. Surveying his loot, he says, No, these Yumis were saying something big, something important. What was they doing with the truck and the guns? Wargobble picks up a container and inspects it. Why was they rubbing this stuff on him? He looks to the censors, and they was burning garbage too. Confused, he drinks a bit of the oil. That's weird. Why would a shooter be thirsty? Suddenly, Wargobble stands up excitedly. Boys! <laughs> boys! 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 boys. <laughs> the Yumis were getting this loot ready for us. They was yelling at the trucks to move and telling the guns that they was the best shooters. He yells, holding up the oil. They even left us drinks! <laughs> Looking back around the bay, Wagarble sees the skull iconography and Admet cog covering every square surface. Inspecting the cog... Uh, I lost my space there. Inspecting the cod mechanicum more closely, he starts to think that it may be under the right light. <laughs> Looks a little bit like an orc. <laughs> Oi! What's that look like? One of his boys asks from behind him. A thought enters Wargobble's brain. A delicious, terrible, wonderful <laughs> thought. No, like a bullet. It enters his brain like a bullet. And he turns to bellow. That's gotta be Gork, boys. Jeez. These Yumis were sent by Gork. Gork wanted to test our crumpin'. It's going all in. I am, yeah. One of his boys timidly responds. I don't know, boss. Oh, the Yumi said these belong to the Omnissiah. Another orc chops the boy down immediately and yell, No, that's Mork! As he beats the bounty to them. Nope, beats him to a pulp. The mob of orcs are thrown into a fury and begin beating each other, <laughs> yelling the name of the twin god they thought sent the bounty to them. Two boys are exchanging blows, one yelling, Mork! After every swing, and the other yelling, Gork! After every swing, Captain Wagarble picks the first orc up and beats him against the body of a disintegrator, covering the vehicle in a sticky film of blood and effectively ending the brawl. Whipped into a frenzy, convinced he was right about his divine intervention, he continues, Day was sent by Gork to make sure we wasn't just some gits! Downing the bowl of oil, Wagerbull thinks to himself that the Yumis were on to something, but got it all wrong. Gork doesn't want oil and chanting. Gork wants blood and <laughs> fighting. Wagerbull starts to stomp around, yelling at his boys to load the loot up and crump in anyone who takes too long. I got a good feeling about this, he says as he plans his next raid. This... Omnissiah, gonna give me the best loot. <laughs> well done again on your voice acting. I don't know. I feel I don't, it felt really natural with how he wrote it too. So, I, so this is my compliment <clears throat> for this one. Um, other than for the very first line or two, he didn't 
insert too much orc talk into this unless it was actually an orc speaking. I, I really prefer this way as opposed to like in the in his first line he kinda said uh uh, looking for the biggest and the biggest gun, and it, he was talking it like an orc in his narrative, and I don't really enjoy that. Mm. Like it, it's like you said, it reads much better when it's an, it's like a human narrative, and then you read an orc talking. I don't know. It it's just, it's easier because <clears throat> these words, like we've heard them so often that yeah. you automatically want to hear them in orc speech. Yeah, yeah. And so when you're trying to read a narrative in orc speech, it gets tough. It gets it's, it's it's actually exhaustive yeah, to yeah. like try and read. Yeah. And so, and so much gets lost and yeah, I, exactly. I actually really like the way you wrote this where yeah, like other for that one line, the rest of it was all like a human narrator yeah. or a human or or it's it's Wargobble's thinking. Yeah, and when yeah. it's his thinking though, you can internalize the dialogue and you can still say it in that orc voice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But you're like, oh, the orcs were having a crumping good time. Like that just you want to say a crumping good time, but it's exactly. just narrative. You exactly, know? yeah. And then it just the in and out of like, well, that one random line was in orcish, but yeah, that's, yeah. So I really no, this read really how, it read really smooth. Exactly, it's probably so, one of my favorite orc things I've ever read. Yeah, yeah. Like it just, I think maybe the less is more when it comes to orcs. Sometimes I don't mm. know. Like so, we did two two orc ones on our last listener lore, and they were fun. They were enjoyable. But like, um, that it was just it was oh, all orky. Yeah, I remember. Like I it remember. just like yeah. I don't know. Yeah, this one all, all also is like first of all very quick. Yeah, yeah. But it's also packed with good information. <laughs> yeah, it's very orky. Like yeah. this Chris guy obviously like thinks like an orc. Yeah, like an orc writer. <laughs> yeah, right. Like you, I think you've captured like very quintessential themes of what it is to be orc yeah. in these things. Like, have you done all of them? No, sure. Maybe not. But you've got some like really good like tidbits in here that just lend themselves to orc stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very cool. So he's clearly got a, maybe not a grudge, but definitely is out to get, uh, he's, he's out to get mechanic. Yeah, so one of his, he must play Admech a lot or something, but yeah, or maybe one of his friends plays Admech and yeah. he just likes. Oh yeah, yeah, that's down. what I meant. Yeah, play against Admech. Yeah, a lot. Um, very cool. Yeah, I wonder if like a bunch of all the vehicles he's created and all the guns actually come from looted Admech sprues. Ooh, that'd be just top notch. Yeah. If he did. Oh, could you imagine like yeah. the dedication to? I'm gonna buy uh, two armies for this army. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, anyone who does that's an insane <laughs> person. Oh, clearly unhinged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah jeez no that's awesome. very cool i really liked that story chris like it's it was short it was sweet it gave us the exact flavor of what yeah. you were doing looks like, at the skull <laughs> that's gotta be core yeah it's <laughs> just it's, and then they fight over it for a bit then somebody like once again gains control of it all and yeah directs them yeah i enjoyed it thank you for sharing that, that was thanks good. chris yeah cool um, so that's listener lore number nine number nuevo nuevo for uh, all our uh, Germanic speaking. Of course. <laughs> people out there. Of course, of course. We got to represent them. Uh, yeah, if you have a listener lore, send it into our email or yeah, get a hold of us on Facebook. Lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, try to keep them under 10, 10 minutes, minutes, please. We got one today that were it was 23 pages. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm going to read a novella. No. In, no. Uh, 
<laughs> in no. that language. I'm also curious, like, uh, so do people send them in wanting our criticism or is that just something we've done to be dickheads, you know? Like, do they just want us to share the story? And yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? They just want us to be like, "Wow, thanks for sharing." Yeah, yeah. And Instead not- of us being like, "Well, the reason this one was actual <laughs> trash." You know what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm curious about that. Yeah. You know what? No, never mind. All four if you stories submit this it, week. Were you're good. probably gonna get critiqued. You're gonna get critiqued, but all all four stories were good. Yeah, I, I honestly enjoyed them. Obviously, there's little things that can always be changed, and, and that even happens in, with our own yeah, stories. In every, and, like we constantly yeah. bounce things off of each other to yeah. to you know make them more real and and to show that Necron really is the best. <laughs> That every um, world is, in fact. It is a tomb world. A tomb world. Mandragora is a tomb world, Mark. What do you want from me? It's canon. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, check out our Patreon. Um, I, I was listening to a podcast today. And oh, okay. So we're not done this episode. No, not quite. And uh, he he's a, the guy who originally created podcasting. Um, they call him like the pod father, I guess. Okay. Um, now this is podcasting. <laughs> like his uh, advertising model. And he's like, yeah, I don't take ads. I don't want to have to take ads. Like, um, ne- And d- neither do we. And neither do we. And like he was talking about like how all I ask is like, what value did you get out of the podcast? So, you know, maybe you only got $1 worth of value. That's fine. What value did you get out of the podcast? Hmm. Was it literally just free for you? Sure, maybe, but like, but if it's I know free when free, I listen, yeah. I get value out of it. Yeah, I, I get value out of podcasts, and uh, my my rule now officially for for me personally is if they have ads, I'm doing my part because I'm listening to an ad. They're getting paid for it, but if they're not putting ads on a podcast, I think I'm going to start subscribing to Patreons and stuff. Nice, because like, yeah, what value are you actually getting out of this? Like, me and Eric put hundreds and hundreds. We're probably well into a thousand of hours into this podcast. Like minimum, yeah, yeah. Um, so just think about it. Think about it. That's all. What value do you get out of Lorehammer? Have you messaged us before and had a, like a four week conversation yeah. with us? Do like, you enjoy our Facebook? Yeah, do you like, enjoy our Instagram? Are you part of our yeah. Discord? Yeah, and like it might only be one dollar of value, and that's perfectly fine. That's fine. Like, however you ve- measure yeah. it, that's fine. But it was just a very interesting way, the way it is, that yeah. the podfather was apparently, like, describing, like, his, his thought process. His approach. Yeah, yeah, behind it all and how he, like, specifically won't take ads because, like, yeah, like, everyone no, should find value in things. I interesting. Guess. Yeah. But that's all. That's my thought. That's my rant. It was very well put. No. <laughs> no, it was. Honestly, I enjoyed that. But. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. I, I really do enjoy these listener lawyers. I wish I had time to just read them like right away. Oh, well, God. no, no. I wish I the had 23 time. page. <laughs> I wish I had time for Eric to read them out loud to me. That's <laughs> what I wish ultimately. But unfortunately, you know, life uh, finds a way. <laughs> uh-huh. How many quotes can I fit in one? That was only your first one. So was that? that it's not bad. No, so. we did a Lord of the Rings one. Oh, was that before we started recording? I think that was. Damn it! <laughs> all right, cool. Thanks everyone cool. for listening. We really do appreciate uh, all the support that we have gotten, and uh, we we really enjoy doing this. So yeah, okay. thanks guys, and we'll see you later. Bye.
Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.